Beginning to read at verse 31, please. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered, answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask you now to shut us in with yourself and to, oh Lord, separate each and every one of us off with your own heart into your own word and speak to us severally and individually and also, Lord, as a body of your people, the local expression of the body of Christ in this part of the vineyard. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart. We thank you for so many that are in this evening into your house to praise your name and to worship you and to come under your word. Now, Lord, settle us in our hearts and in our minds and even in our seats that we will be ready to receive the word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever we call this the truth shall make you free, really it should be you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's only when we get to know the truth if we don't know the truth, it never sets us free. There's freedom in it, there's power in it, but it's knowing the truth and applying the truth that sets us free. In every situation and in everything, no matter what it is, it's, there's the truth is there, and we must know it first, then we must apply it to us. A sinner must apply the truth of whom Christ is, and whom God is, and what salvation is, and what it means. And when the Lord Jesus is speaking this, he's speaking to a group from Judea, uh, the Huidos, they're known as, or the Jews of the day. And he's speaking to those, and he's saying, there's some who believe, we're told, and he's speaking to them, he says, if you want to really be a disciple of mine, you must forget your religious stance. You must forget your temple worship. You must forget your own sacrifices and your own good works and your own alms and your own doings and your own tryings. He says, because when you believe on the Son, capital S, the Son of God, speaking of himself, when you believe on me, he says, the truth of who I am, Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of God, the payment of your sin, everything else is finished. Sin is put away. It's over and done with. And he says, when you believe in me, listen, it's not in your denomination. When we all get the glory, it's not going to be one, one group of place for worship for the Baptists and another place for those who claim to be free Presbyterians and the Pentecostals are over having a shindig on the other side, hand clapping, finger snapping and all this, toe tapping. You know, it's not going to be like that. All labels will be dropped off and all those who are in Christ. And that will be it. And Jesus is saying here, look, it's not in your temple, it's not in your worship, it's not in your sacrifice, it's not in your Pharisaical ideas, nor your own man-made traditions and laws. He says, if you are found in me, you're free. 
free indeed. We want to look at it. For example, in verse 32, he says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36, he says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I want to break these down this evening for us. And I think if a believer hears this, it should really rejoice their heart to understand how free you are in Christ. Most people who are uh, Christians, lovely safe people, people who love the Lord, most people who are Christians are in bondage. You know why? Because of man-made religion placed upon them. They have the do's and the don'ts of the denomination. They've got the hierarchy overlording them. The, and, and the Lord says, even as it were, in the, in the seven letters to the church of, churches of, of, in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, he actually mentions those, the, the Nicolaitans. And he mentions those who are overlording the church and coming down with a heavy hand, laying burdens upon them. And he says, I hate that. He hates that. So when we have a hierarchy that is a, a prominent dominant hierarchy, like a denominational prominent dominant hierarchy that says this is the way, it must be like this, we only teach this, that becomes then a bondage. It becomes a bondage when we're told we have to look a certain way, when we have to speak a certain way, we have to have elocution a certain way. In fact, when I was putting on my brown shoes tonight, I reminded me that I was in... Uh, uh, a funeral, taking a funeral with a couple of other ministers from a certain denomination. And they were from the same denomination, and I was asked to help along with them. And as I was taking this, we were in the side room, and one of the ministers said to the other one, the older to the younger, he says, Brother, I see you're letting yourself slip a little. Watch, you don't backslide, for you're wearing brown shoes today. Come on, brothers and sisters. That's what he said, and I thought, you must be joking me. I'm sure Christ wasn't looking at what color of shoes people were wearing. They were wearing sandals. They didn't have shoes. Sandals. And so whenever he says here, if I make you free, you'll be free indeed. You'll be free to worship. Worship me in the spirit. We'll look at it. You'll worship me in the reading of the word. You'll worship me at the teaching of my word. You'll worship me in the preaching of my word. Do you know someone who doesn't like the word of God claiming to be a Christian? I worry about that. I wonder about that because the Christian, the newborn, can only feed, first of all, the milk. Then he must, she must get the meat. And after that, then they must start to be able to feed themselves. Come under the sound of the word, yes, by all means. Be in a place where the word is faithfully preached, by all means. But reading the word and delving into it, that the Spirit would illuminate the word of God to your own heart. This is life. This is life in this book we hold. The canonized, as it were, 66 books into one volume. This is life. This is breath. This is God speaking to us. This is God telling us, showing us, leading us, guiding us. And he's telling us exactly what he thinks of us. That I love you and give my son for you. That I have paid your debt. And when my son paid it all, it means it is finished. It means you're saved by grace. It's grace, grace, grace. Shouting onto the temple, grace, grace. A stone temple will do you nothing. But shouting grace, grace to the temple of God, which is his body, then that will lift them up and bless them. And here he's saying, listen, to the Jews around him, 
saying, see if you believe in me, don't go running to that temple. Don't you put your trust in the works of an animal that's slain. Don't you think that your self-righteousness and your denominationalized thinking is going to bring you any freedom for it brings you into complete bondage? He says, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to liberate you. I'm going to break the chains off. The fetters will come off you. He says, and I will set you free in me and place my spirit within you. And this is what Christ is dealing with here. Men and women who are bound by 613 plus traditions and commandments of men. You must, 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 you must. 613 times. And one of them are broken. Oh boy, they were so bad a sinner. Christ says, I'm going to pay the debt. And I will pay it all for you. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The word free is mentioned in John's Gospel, chapter 8, some four times in our reading. Verse 32, the truth shall make you free. Verse 33, the Jews are saying, We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Now, I could go into a deeper teaching this, we'll not bother tonight because I want to keep it on a, a different subject. But listen, not everyone who says they're a Jew are a Jew. And Christ says it in the book of Revelation. I'm going to read the verse to you later. And Jesus knew not all who say there are Jews are Jews, but are the synagogue of Satan. There are those who are not Christ's. There are those who are not even lineal descents of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what he's saying, what they're saying here is that. We're Abraham's seed. And Jesus says, yes, you are. I know that. But maybe you're not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob's seed. Maybe Abraham with Ishmael and Hagar. You're still Abraham's blood in you. Maybe you're through the Esau line coming through Isaac, Esau and Isaac. And Abraham was your father, grandfather, as it were. And, and he's saying, yes, you may be of that. But if you're not of truth, if you're not of, of my seed, he says, of the true seed whom the sheep of God that we will call, he says then, he says, you're lost. Now Abraham's faith is brought into this. He says, if you are Abraham's, you'll have the faith of Abraham. And it's the faith that saves you. It's the faith of Abraham in God. Now notice this. He says it another two times in the verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Free is mentioned twice. The Lord Jesus pronounces freedom over the people. And brothers and sisters who are saved, who are claiming to be saved, I think I know everyone, and as far as I know, everyone is saved tonight. And those of us who are saying that we're saved by grace through faith, that we belong to Christ, have you heard the scriptures that Christ pronounces freedom over you? He pronounces freedom over you when you come in his name. He pronounces freedom over you when you're washed in the blood. He pronounces freedom over you whenever you receive him as savior. He pronounces freedom over you and within you when he gives you his Holy Spirit. You're free. Brothers and sisters, come on, you're free. You're free indeed. And we're a people in bondage. We're a people afraid. We're a people who are tied up. We're tied up with self. 
We're tied up with religion. We're tied up of who will say or do will or what if I. We're even to shout in the name of the Lord in the house of God. We're tied up and our tongues are tied because we are afraid. Brothers and sisters, Christ says, you can rejoice in him for he or she who them sunsets free, they are free indeed. Your sins are forgiven. You're washed in the blood. You belong to Christ. Let us be free indeed in Jesus' name. The Lord Jesus pronounces freedom over you as he did over these people. He pronounced the way of freedom, the method of freedom, and the reality of freedom. See, the problem is, is that we haven't grasped the reality of the freedom of Christ. We haven't grasped the reality of his freedom. Freedom of his love. He freely loves me. He freely loves you. He wants to freely give to you. He wants to freely bless you. He wants you to freely receive of him. He says, you're free in me. You're free indeed. Brothers and sisters, does the church not lack freedom today? Do our lives not lack freedom today? Do we not say, Lord, I'm free in you? And freedom isn't a cloak and a liberty as we have been on these Sunday mornings for you to say. Not at all. Not at all. The freedom we have in Christ is a strength and an encouragement. It's an unction and it's a power not to sin. It's a difference. We don't sin because he is within us and we're free indeed. Freedom comes from truth. Freedom is found in truth. Freedom is released through truth. Freedom is received by truth. Freedom is realized in truth. Freedom is in union with truth. Freedom is intimate with truth. Freedom is married to truth. Freedom is married to truth. You see the men and the women who are saying, we're standing for the truth, and and God bless them. Stand for the truth by all means. But you know what? Stand for the truth, but be free. Stand in the truth, but be free. No one will want to stand for the truth of the word than me any more than I do. But be free in the spirit. Be free in Christ. Let yourself rejoice in him. Realize you're greatly blessed. You're you're deeply loved. You're chosen in Christ. You're his well-beloved. You're bought with a price, the blood of Christ. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're free indeed. You're his. You belong to Jesus. Do you belong to Jesus tonight? Do you belong to the Son of God? Are you free? Do you know it? Do you realize it? Will you receive it if you haven't? Then let him pronounce freedom over you tonight. Let him pronounce freedom over you. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. To know the truth is knowing absolute truth. What is? There only is really one truth, isn't there? Anything outside of the truth is a lie. An exaggeration isn't the full truth, so it's a lie. Half a truth isn't a truth because it's still laced with lies. The truth is the truth is the truth. Absolute truth brings freedom in every situation. Absolute truth brings freedom to your heart, to your mind, to your spirit in every situation. The spirit that is bound because they know truth and won't receive it will stay bound because they know truth and won't receive it. The spirit that knows truth and receives it and believes it and acts with it will be free indeed. 
free from stress and free from worry. Free from it all. The word here, to know, we want to about look at, first of all, knowing truth. To know here is the word ginosko. And listen to what it means, to know the truth. You shall know the truth. The word know, ginosko. It means to come to an understanding. It means to come to know or to perceive something. Listen to what it gives the idea of the knowledge of close, intimate union as that with a husband and his wife. I'm going to say that again. To know the truth, it means, yes, we know, yes, we perceive, and yes, we understand, but it means to know something with a close, intimate union as that with a husband and his wife. Ye shall be intimate with the truth, Jesus said. And that truth will make you free. When you're intimate with it, the truth will make you free. Let me give you an example. In Matthew chapter 1, it speaks of Mary and Joseph. And Mary is going to have, uh, the virgin girl is going to have the Lord Jesus as her baby. In verse 25, it says of Mary and Joseph, and Joseph knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Notice, now, he knew her not till. So in other words, there was a time she was a virgin, Jesus was born, and she called his name Jesus. Till means that he had brothers and sisters after that. He knew her in that fashion. And so it says, he knew her not till. The word there is gnoso, it's the same word. He, he was not intimate like a husband and wife was until she brought forth her firstborn son. Then if we go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23, it speaks of on that day when we stand before Christ, uh, that he will say to the, there are some people who will say, you know what, I'm a Christian and you know, we do all these things. And we'll, sure, I can even cast out demons and devils and I can do the hocus pocus and lift up this, that and the other and all manner of ceremony and situations and you know, look at me and I'm garbed with the robes and all this sort of stuff and I've got my day going, fish matter, hats on or whatever else they're wearing. Look at me, I'm a Christian. And Jesus says, now listen to this, what he says. He will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Wow. Jesus is going to say to certain people on that day, I never knew you. You know what that means? I was never intimate with you. I was never intimate with you. I was never as though I was married unto you. Just apart from me, you don't work iniquity. That's not serious. In other words, we have to check our lives with Christ and say, is this a big religious uh, a statement that we make when we come to church? Is this a big religious statement when we see so many? And I'm glad to see the house of God full tonight. But is this a big religious statement when we do this? Is this a big religious statement or do we have relationship with Christ? Brother, sister, answer this in your own heart. Have you ever been intimate with Jesus? Have you ever been intimate with him? I'm not saying have you been religious and had a fuzzy feeling and all these wonderful things with goosebump stories and all this sort of stuff. I'm talking about have you ever had a deep, intimate experience with Christ? A deep, intimate experience with Him. Something that gets inside you. 
births something in you. Births a relationship between you. And all you want to do is be intimate with him. Intimate like a husband knows his wife. Brothers and sisters, when was the last time you were intimate with Christ? When was the last time you were intimate with Jesus? I mean intimate with him. I'm not talking about you sat down and had your Bible reading and a wee thought. You were intimate with him. Intimacy with Jesus. When was the last time you sat down and you knew you were before the throne of grace? You knew that he was speaking to you in his word. You knew his spirit was welling inside you. You knew you were in communion. When was the last time? When was it? When was the last time? This is what he's looking for. Intimacy. I ask you something when you sang this morning or tonight. Were you intimate? Were you intimate with him? I was just words on the screen. Were you intimate your heart with his heart? Was there a love feast going on between you and Jesus? Were you feasting with him? Were you fellowshipping with him in worship? Were you giving on to him of your heart? Intimacy with Christ will make it that you'll never be satisfied with anything else. Intimacy with Christ will mean that nothing this world will ever give you will be the same again. The things of the world you'll find. I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do the other. Listen, friend, see when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you don't want to do that. I want him. I want Jesus. I want more of him. The Lord says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I've never been in an approving connection. Someone wrote about that. The Lord will say, I have never been in an approving connection. In other words, you and I have never had closeness. You and me and I and you. One with the other. Like a husband and wife. Two flesh become one. First John chapter 5. Listen to this now. This is important for us. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him. Now notice this. That we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Outside of Christ, there is no other God. Outside of Christ, there is no eternal life. See the words, and we know, 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come. See the term know, it's different there. It's the word idol. Do you know what it means? It means, it gives the idea of a fullness of knowledge. It means to perceive with the eyes, to behold. In other words, John is saying the incarnation was an overwhelming demonstration 
of God's interest in us, and that the incarnation was an overwhelming demonstration of God's concern for your higher and moral good, for your eternal welfare. In other words, the great heart of God became flesh. The great heart of God hung on a tree. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, He bled and He died for you and me. In other words, for your good. And this is what John says, And we know, I have seen Him. Seen Him walk Galilee. Seen Him through Samaria. Seen Him around Judea. Seen Him around Jerusalem. I seen Him sleeping. I seen Him eating. I seen Him praying. I seen Him in Gethsemane. I seen Him down the Via Dolorosa. I seen Him on the cross. I seen Him die. That's what He's saying. I seen Him and I know Him. I lay on His breast at supper and heard the heartbeat of God. Not fateful night when he was taken. I seen him go to the grave and I seen him risen again, he's saying. I know that's what he's saying to you. That's the word I do. He says, I know. The incarnation was an overwhelming demonstration of his interest in me. God has a great interest in you, brother. God has a great interest in you, sister. Don't you feel that you're missed out? Don't you feel you're overlooked? God has a great interest in you. God has a great interest in those whom he has known. God has a great interest in all of his people. God has a great concern for your welfare. Not only in this life, but for eternity. And this is the true God. Where? Hanging on the cross. Hanging on Calvary's tree. Shedding his blood. And paying my debt and yours. And this is eternal life, to know him. Paul says, oh, that I might know him. And the power of his resurrection. Paul, Paul, hold on a minute. You saw the resurrected, glorified Jesus. Yes, caught up to the third heaven. Paul, you saw him and you heard things that were not lawful to be uttered. Yes, I did. Caught up to the third heaven. Yes, that's true. Paul, you had all these revelations given to you and all these visions and they were so great you, you can't even tell us about them. Yes, I did. And there's more. He says, I want to know him. He says, the more I see, the more I want. And friend, here's the thing, brother, sister, see, the more you seek him, the more you'll find him. And the more you find him, the more you'll want of him. Do you know what's wrong with brothers and sisters? Do you know what's wrong with Christians? They don't seek his face anymore. People don't seek his face and they fall out of love with him. The more you seek him, the more you'll find him. And the more you find him, you'll find. The more you'll want him. And the more you want him, the more you'll seek him. And the more you seek him, the more you'll find him. And there's rivers to swim in. Rivers that cannot be crossed. And I just give you more, and he'll give you more, and he'll give you more. And there's times when you feel the well is dry, then suddenly it starts to flow. It starts to come up from nowhere, starts to bubble up from deep within, and God starts refreshing and filling the water cisterns all over again. He is the true God, he says, and we know. John said, I saw him saw him and then he says the son of God has come and hath given us understanding that we may know him that is true the word know is again is that the original word ginosko 
that we may know him, that is true, that we may be intimate with him. Jesus showed himself resurrected from the dead that we may be intimate with him. Now here's, here's where I'm going to show you to draw you in. This is linking the word of God for you. So please, give me your attention a moment. He says that we may know him, that we may understand and perceive him, but be intimate with him. That is true. And we are in him. That is, that is true even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Tell me something. John, what do you mean? You've told us that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Well, the word understanding means he's given us a mind, a way of life, a way of thinking, a spirit of desiring. He has given us it in the perfect tense, it means. In other words, he's given it, he's placed it, it's within us, and we can't do anything about it. Do you see when you're truly called of God? Do you see when you truly know Christ? Do you see when you've truly tasted and seen that he is good? Do you see when you've drank deep at the fountains of waters, living waters? See when you've come to know him and been intimate with him, you're going to realize that it's permanent. He's within you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. This is what Christians are missing, brothers and sisters. This is what they're missing. How does it happen? John, tell us how it happens. He says that we may know him that is true. Well, here's a little telltale sign for you. And we know that the Son of God has come. It gives the idea, not that he has come and then gone and left us. If you read this in the text, it means he has come and placed his spirit, given his power, placed the Holy Ghost in you. Jesus has come in the Spirit and says, and it's permanent. It's permanent. That we may be intimate with him. Revelation 3 and 9, the risen, ascended, glorified Christ says to John, the Isle of Patmos, behold, I will make of them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now, now brothers and sisters, let's catch this a minute. There are those who say there are Jews and are not. There are, they're false Jews. There's many of them in the world today. Now, you listen. Not true Judaites, in other words. Now, listen to what he's saying here. The Lord says, you will know that I have loved you. I don't mind, mean to upset anybody's apple cart here. I don't mind to trump on anybody's corns. And I don't mind to damage your theological bunions. But listen to this. we always hearing Jews are God's people. Jews are God's people. See in the new covenant, you know what it tells me? We are God's people. The blood washed are God's people. Jew and Gentile, born free, Israelite, Hebrew, whatever you want to put it. We are God's people, the elect of God. And you hath he chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. God's elect. For example, 
We'll look at John 4, verses 23 and 24. The Lord Jesus goes to the woman at the well of Samaria, asks her for a drink. I think we all know the story. And the woman says, you have nothing to draw with. And he asks her for water. And they talk about living water. Now, notice what Jesus says. She says, you say you're, you're, you're of the Jews and you go down to Jerusalem to worship. We worship in Samaria in the hills. In other words, we have false gods and idols up here. And you're saying... You go there, but we go up here to worship. Now, notice what Christ says, but the hour cometh and now is. In other words, he's come. He's come. He will die, and in him will find the true God and eternal life. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus says, there'll come the time when you'll not go to Jerusalem to worship in the temple, and you'll not go up into the groves, but the Father is the great eternal spirit, and you'll worship him in and through me. In other words, he says, I'll be in you, and you'll be in me, and we'll all be one in the Holy Ghost, and you'll be saved in me, he says, the Son of God. In other words, there's people at any time, any place, anywhere, all around this globe can worship Christ in the Spirit. They don't have to travel or pilgrimage. Whether that be to the pilgrimages of Lourdes or the pilgrimage of Mecca or a pilgrimage of anywhere else, we worship Him in spirit and we worship Him in truth. We worship Him in Donnacrony. We'll worship Him in Belfast. We can worship Him anywhere around the United Kingdom, the United States, and anywhere else where we turn our heart. There is the King and we're in His court. He's a great eternal God. Oh, grab it, brothers and sisters. Get it. You're the temple of God. You are the temple. When you and I stand to sing and the group comes up and we worship and turn our hearts to him, living stones, we form the temple and the Spirit is in all of us, moving in all of us. And that crescendo is filling the heavens. Imagine tonight those who worship the Father in their spirit. Your worship, it might not have been heard outside the doors, but it's heard in heaven. It's known in glory. Jesus says, you shall know the truth, be married to it, you'll be intimate with it, and the truth shall set you free. The Lord, Jesus is the truth personified. He's the personification of all truth. Listen to what it says in Exodus 34 and 6. And the Lord God passed by before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4. Speaking of the Lord, he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Listen to Psalm 119 verse 30. Speaking of God's ways are called the ways of truth. In verse 43 of Psalm 119, speaking of God's word is called the word of truth. Psalm 119 verse 142 Speaking of the law, it says, Thy law is truth. Psalm 119 and verse 151 says, All thy commandments are truth. Everything about him is true. Everything within him is truth. Absolute truth. There is no shadow of turning with him. There is no darkness in him at all. For he is light. He is the 
truth. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is full of grace and truth, John tells us in John chapter 1. Pilate asked the Lord Jesus in John 18 and 38, he says, what is truth? Truth standing right in front of him. What is truth? And he went to the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in him at all. You know why I find no fault in him? Because he was the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. John 14 and 7, John 15 and 26, John 16 and verse 7, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Jesus says, if I go, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. John 17 and verse 17, Jesus prays to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So here is the Spirit and the word. What are we left with? Jesus goes to glory, and there he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf as our great high priest. And what does he leave us with? The Spirit and the Word. Thy Word is truth. The Spirit of truth speaks on through the Word of truth. The Word of truth tells us the absolute truth of our, in our hearts. So you shall know the truth, and this truth shall make you free. You shall have an understanding and an intimate relationship with the truth. Listen to what Jesus says in our reading, John 8 and 31. Jesus said, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Notice, he said to the Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, in verse 30, John 8 and verse 30, it says this, and he spake these words, many believed on him. Then he turns to these Jews and says, if you continue in my word, you know why? Because everyone that says they believe are not real believers. It's as simple as that. And Christ, knowing their hearts, he turns to these Jews and he says, if you continue in my word, any of my disciples, indeed, if you believe all my word, live in my word, then you, my disciples, will indeed, and that truth, married to that truth, will set you free. Notice what he says here in verse 31. John 8 and 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed in him, If you continue in my words, then are you, my disciples, indeed. See the word indeed? It's the word alethos, and it means, Then you, my disciples, truly, surely, in reality, most certainly. Surely, truly, in reality, and most certainly. You see the man and woman who say, oh, well, we don't really like the word of God. Ten minutes does us. I wonder. I wonder. I never read the word of God. I wonder. I don't listen to the word of God. I wonder. Newborn babes should be desiring the word. It means truly, surely, reality, most certainly you are my disciples. You shall know the truth. You shall be acquainted and understand this. And the truth shall make you free. I'm coming to a close. The truth shall make you free. The word free here. It's a big word. Eleutherio. Eleutherio. And it means free. 
to be set at liberty to be delivered. You see, the word of God and the truth of it, when someone receives the word into their heart, it sets them free. When my, when my wife had ME and could hardly walk and needed even fed at times, and we were sung in church one morning and she used to get up and get ready as soon as she could, get out of the church. And many a time she collapsed in, the, collapsed in the church. And we'd prayed for her, we'd fasted, we'd anointed her, nothing was happening. One Sunday morning, the pastor says, I believe the Lord's telling me he's going to heal somebody this morning. Stand up in the church, there's so many stood up. And we just started singing. Be still and know that I am God. I am the Lord. That he healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. She says the word entered her heart. She was delivered. She was set at liberty. She was set free. She was healed in Jesus' name. It's the word of God entering the heart, living in you. Jesus says, when the word comes, you'll know the truth. Marry it. Be intimate with it. God's given you a promise. Hold on to it. That promise will never die. That promise will never fade. That word will not return unto him void. I'm going to just read this and let you see how it reads. If we're reading it in a great New Testament fashion. Listen. Verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Again, the word here for free is the word eleutherio, which means delivered, set free, set at liberty. You're free. But do you see where it says, if the Son therefore shall make you free? This word shall make is the same word for free. Shall make eleutherio. And it's the exact same word. If the Son therefore shall make you free. In other words, it's the word. If the Son therefore shall make you free. The Son therefore shall free you free. That's where it reads. If the Son therefore shall free you free. In other words, if the Son therefore shall free you, you're free. If the Son pays your debt, then your debt is paid. You're free. You're free. You're free. In other words, it reads, if the Son frees you, you're at liberty. You're not under the law. If the Son frees you, then you're at liberty. You're not under judgment. If the Son frees you, you're free from the devil and from all of his curses. If the Son frees you, you're free from your sin. You're free from all that you've committed in the past. And if the Son, therefore, shall set you free, it goes, you're free. You're free. You are free. That's the way it reads. You're free, free, free. You're free in Jesus, brothers and sisters. You're free in Christ. That's the way it reads. Brothers and sisters, the word here is you're free indeed is a word, not uh, the word we looked at before. 
It's the word ontos that means you're really, truly, actually. The Son, therefore, shall make you free. You're free, free, free. Actually, really, truly, you're free. Actually, really, truly, you're free. Actually, really, truly, you're free. Can you receive it? Can you receive it? You're free to be a servant. Okay, we're not in bondage again. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says that when you're free from sin, you're a servant of righteousness. Christ set me free. See all the sinning I did. See all the addictions I had. All the things that bound me brought me down. See the things were bringing me to hell, the things that bound me. Alcohol and drugs and all those things that really took grip on my life and the sicknesses that I was having through it. See, all those things that took a hold of me and bound me and were making me ill and dragging me to a devil's hell. Christ set me free. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And now I'm a servant of righteousness. That's the idea. People say, you know what, you can't be a servant. Or be your own person, be your own God, be your own ascendant. Listen, if you're a servant of if you sin, you're a servant of sin. You're a slave to that. There's nobody more free than a man or woman walking in Christ. There's nobody more free. Brothers and sisters, this book tells us if you're married to this book, if you're intimate with it, listen. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 you go home and it talks about uh, the, the husband and wife uh, giving due benevolence one to another. And the idea is love one another. Be part of one another. Go and be intimate with one another. It means come and spend time one with another. For if you don't, he says, the next, the next verse says, uh, if you don't, you'll defraud one another. Talking about you'll not then be intimate in, 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 in the closet one with another, as it were, as children around who want to watch my language. But, but it means that you'll not be intimate there. And nobody says, then comes in Satan. That's what happens. He says, but if you're free in Christ, you'll live right. The truth shall set you free. God bless his word to us tonight. In Jesus' name.